and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon Wishlist, or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife Simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works, or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. I hope you're all having a nice afternoon out there. When you get an opportunity, check out the last two videos I just did on the channel. I have uh, done a video about evolution, and I also uh, did a video about the attributes of God and some other fascinating points. So don't forget to check those out. You know, we've heard a lot of things throughout history on why it is that if you're the nice guy, you always seem to come in last. If you're a good guy and you're trying to make the right choices in your life, or a good woman, you're always going to get burned. You're always going to get hurt. You're always going to get destroyed. And I've seen that happen repeatedly in my own life by some of the choices that I've made. I chose to do the right thing whenever it comes to people or things in my life. I've seen what happens, even if you're watching something like science fiction or some kind of uh, crap on television or movies, what always happens to a superhero? Eventually, the superhero continues to put themselves in harm's way. They continue to put other people's lives above their own. They continue to have this form of altruism, which doesn't seem to make sense in a world where it's the strongest shall survive and the fittest. You got to be this and that form or you won't be able to make it. I think that every day you and I, when we turn on the news, those of us who consider ourselves good people, we can see that politicians lie and they do horrible things all the time and they start wars with other countries and then all of a sudden our children are the ones that have to go out and fight these wars that these politicians and leaders do. It's like evil people can lie and do terrible things and then sit conveniently in their homes prospering off of all the free money that they get from us and then on top of it we're going to go fight their wars we're going to invade countries and take on people that we don't even know total strangers we're going to wipe out fathers and mothers and children in the process and somehow some way some of us can actually convince ourselves at the end of the day that that's a good idea and that we're doing it for our country and we're doing it for the good of mankind when in fact we're just simply killing our loved ones and we're being manipulated by a system that is completely corrupt and evil. We like the idea of believing that our system is of justice and fairness, but time and time again we've executed innocent people. Time and time again people have spent almost half their lives in prison cells just so we can find out later on through science or through forensics or through some eyewitness that decided that they didn't have the courage to step up whenever the time had happened or the event, and that person gets to spend 90% of their life or half of their life sitting in a cage, being beat on, being starved, and being treated like an absolute animal. I got to be honest with you, I've been tempted throughout my entire life to do terrible evils. I have had that temptation and that lust uh, to go on a blood rage and just completely lose it and do things that are not what Brett Keen would normally do. I see things in social media that drive me absolutely nuts and piss me off and cause me to wonder sometimes when I'm laying in my bed at night what the fuck? Why Why is this the case? I'll give you an example, ladies and gentlemen. 
I do videos where I put a lot of thought and a lot of time into the things that I'm talking about. I share my heart. I'm transparent. When you watch Brett Keen, you're watching the same guy that you would be talking to if you met me in real life. This is not an amplified version of Brett Keen. I'm not uh, jumping around, acting energetic, or rapping out in the middle of the highway while getting hit by ice cream trucks in order to win the views and subscriptions out there. Because my videos are on an intellectual level, because I try to be intelligent and kind to others, and I also am very open to creating shows where I allow people to come in and share their ideas and views and really have this concept of make friends with people, try to be a peacemaker, it causes me really serious problems. I'll give you an example. The moment that you don't do something someone wants... The moment that someone thinks that you're so nice that you're going to be willing to give of yourself to them or allow them to have something that they think that they ought to be able to get off of you, and these are usually bad people who have this way of thinking, the moment that you don't, all of a sudden they make you out to look like you're a waste, a piece of crap, a piece of shit. It's horrible. Also, one of the things that I've noticed that is extremely heartbreaking, it's probably one of the most terrible things that you could possibly witness or observe, especially on social media, you will see people do stupid, terrible, horrible things on video, and they will repeatedly get funded. They'll have their Patreons, they'll have these pages that you can go where you can donate money. And there's some people that make YouTube videos where they primarily spend all day insulting the living piss out of other people who might be disabled, who might be sick, who might be dying from cancer, or people that they deem as intellectually inferior or stupid. Social media basically flourishes on the idea of talking shit about celebrities all damn day. So does journalism. Journalism does the same thing. Every time something goes wrong or something unfortunate happens in someone's life, these assholes who are basically sociopaths can come along and report the story, exaggerate things as much as they want, make mountains out of mohills, and just completely obliterate that person's reputation, their job, their career, their entire life. And then that person ends up getting an award. They end up getting paid a whole lot of money. And then they get promoted to do an even higher uh, brands of journalism. Well, social media acts the same way. If you're doing videos having to do with science, if you're having videos do, dealing with philosophy or things that are on an intellectual level, or you come off as a very good person, people consider that bland. They consider that dull. They love to see drama. They love to see people fighting each other and clawing away at each other, ripping each other's face off. And I have been tempted several times. I'll be honest with you. I was even talking to my atheist friend, Adam Lohr, about this, uh, where there was actually a moment where I thought maybe it would be a good idea to do what some of these other pricks are doing. And let me explain why it is that I almost felt like committing some of the evil that I've seen other YouTubers do. There was a day where my daughter had just graduated, and I was thinking to myself, how would I be able to financially and quickly be able to make as much money as possible to get my daughter a vehicle 
so she'll be able to go back and forth between home and college. And also, she wanted to get a job. How would I go about doing this? And I've also thought in the past, how can I make enough money to be able to take care of some of the doctor bills that my family has? I don't know if many of you know this, but I don't make enough money to be able to afford health insurance. So if I end up getting sick or something goes wrong with me, like let's say I got COVID or something, I couldn't just go to the doctors and get all kinds of stuff done unless there's someone offering something free or offering some kind of ability, or I would find myself so deep into debt, I might as well just bury myself. That's how bad it is. So I was watching these YouTubers, and these YouTubers, they spend all their time on the internet just finding random people out there with problems, which is not something that takes a whole lot of effort. Everybody on the planet's got problems. All you need is some asshole to target you, watch you just for about five minutes, and sooner or later, if you're a transparent, good person like me, it only takes a moment of your of your time to be able to figure out this person's flawed in this area, this person's vulnerable in this area, this person has physical problems, this person has disabilities, and then you can make an entire series just tearing that person to absolute fucking pieces. Well, while watching some of these videos and thinking to myself, how ignorant, how terrible, how mean, it did not slip past my observation and eyesight to see that people were donating $10 here, $20 here, and by the end of a three-hour show, someone ended up making over $3,000 just by doing one single show. And the entire show was about how fat someone was and how ugly they were and about the bad choices they made in their life. $3,000 this person made just by doing that, and I'm not going to mention their name. And I have seen countless people do the same thing, where YouTube promotes them, puts them on the featured channel, and all they have to do is do an entire show where they run people over who just so happen to be a part of the community, and they don't even have to be a part of the community. It could be a celebrity that isn't even a part of all this hogwash. And a person can make up to five to $10,000 per three-hour show running people into the earth. It reminds me of corporations out there. A corporation wants to be able to sell a product or do something. They can destroy their competitors, absolutely wipe everybody out. That's exactly what Google and YouTube has done to every video sharing site out there. Everybody else is pretty much dead in the water, and Google is the conglomerate that owns it all. I can't tell you how it feels to watch people every single day make videos where they laugh at people, they hurt people, they insult people, they psychologically rape people, they violate people's space, and do this shit nonstop, completely and utterly going against the community guidelines and terms of service, yet YouTube continues to promote them and scatter them throughout the search engines, and these people get bigger and bigger and bigger, no consequences, nothing done, and they continuously do this kind of thing, and they get rich. Absolutely rich. And I can go for almost half a year to a year without 
getting one single cent, not one single support or bit of donation. No matter how kind I am, no matter how much of a gentleman I am, no matter how much I stand up for people and help people out, I can't afford medical insurance. I can't afford to get my daughter a vehicle. I can't afford to do a whole lot of things. Why is that? Because good guys, they lose. So some people out there might think, well, the logical thing to do is go along with evil. Do what the corporations do. Do what the politicians do. Lie to get ahead. Step on people's head and crawl the ladder of success. Crush people. Destroy people. Or you can go along with Jesus and say, well, what does it do for a man's soul to own the world? And basically you burn in hell after it's all said and done. You end up with nothing. But. Even that's a gamble in itself, isn't it? You're promised eternity. You're promised eternal life. You're promised all this joy and this peace and this love and greatness. But at the end of the day, if all your life you're being having mud thrown in your face and shit thrown all over you, and you've never even experienced what it feels like to have bliss and happiness in the first place, it starts to get more and more to the point where you think, does a heaven even exist? And if it does exist, what does all these promises even mean? What does it even mean to have eternal happiness and joy? I never experienced five minutes of joy and happiness in the first place. So what the hell is it that you're offering me? Because I don't even know what that even means to begin with. I mean, you got to kind of experience something before someone can say, I'm going to give you this but more in abundance. Well, I didn't ever get a piece of the pie in the first place, so how the hell am I supposed to know if that pie is worth eating in the first place? You're not really selling the product very well to me on this. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I'm being kind of silly right now. Obviously, anybody worth their salt wants to live eternally and be able to live in bliss and happiness and good things happen to them. But... It's not cliche to say that the nice guy loses. In fact, it seems to be an evolutionary thing, according to some non-believers. According to our chemistry, women tend to like men who are bad boys. I know that whenever my wife met me in the beginning, I was wearing a leather jacket and I had my hair all jet black and wearing shades and looking like a rock star. I know that she was completely attracted to that. She thought, that's a bad boy right there. And she would learn sooner or later that although I had this hard exterior, that I was sweet and wonderful and soft as a marshmallow inside. Although I had the physicality of a tiger, I was a sweetheart. She did fall in love with that, and that's what she cared about. However, a lot of people out there, they're nice as pie. They're sweet and they're kind, but the woman will pass them up for the biker or the badass or the, the guy who seems like he's rough around the edges. The survivor. And I guess some people, the reason why that happens for those guys out there who wonder why it is that you always seem to lose and fail at being able to get what it is that you're wanting, whether it be love or someone to be attracted to you or get some kind of materialism in the world. The reason why is because a lot of these women, 
they understand how the world works. They understand that you have to be kind of a hard ass in order to be able to survive hard times. That they want to be with a man that they know when the chips are down, this man's going to be willing to do whatever it takes, whether good or evil, in order to make it to where they get what they want. That's the sadness of it. It's really a big mesh of selfishness where people will hang out with people that they think are willing to go over the line if that's what it takes in order to get that which what they want. So that's why the good guy loses. That's why the nice guy loses all the time. And of course, if you're a loving, kind person and you see someone else in jeopardy, their problems become your problems. If you try to help people who require help, then unfortunately, sometimes you put yourself under the weight because you're literally, when you go to help people, you're carrying their burden or you're at least taking some of the pressure off of them to do things. But it is disgusting. It is disgusting whenever my wife and I say to ourselves or we're talking to each other and we're trying to figure out how are we going to get this diabetic medication that she needs? How am I going to be able to take my daughter to the doctors to get something checked out? How am I going to be able to fix this damn vehicle every time it decides to fuck up or have some kind of problem? What am I going to do whenever it breaks down on the side of the fucking highway and nobody's stopping to pick you up? What am I going to do whenever there's not enough money because we had to buy a bunch of other necessities to be able to buy groceries that fucking month. All these things just really, really can tear a good person apart. They can tear a kind person apart. And I guess the only thing you can do after it's all said and done is say, well, there's a reason for everything. You know, in the end, whenever it's all said and done and it's over and all of us rot to the fucking ground that God's just going to make everything right and everything will be made to be understood and comprehended and all that. Gosh. <laughs> what a nightmare, though, it is. Seeing people make $5,000, $10,000, and none of their videos have any substance in them. None of it has any kind of material that could actually help anybody. It's just all drama. It's all hatred. It's all anxiety. And, and uh, I'm better than you. My side's good and your side's bad. And, you know, we're the shit and you're not kind of deal. This tribalism. But it works. People like that. That's the reason why reality TV is so popular. It's the reason why Jerry Springer is so popular. It's horrible. And sometimes, um, this is cute. One, one of the things I've discovered that sometimes when you want to do good and you want to try to help people out, somehow you get labeled as evil. That's one of my favorite things. When you're trying to help somebody and you're trying to do good for other people, but you get labeled as Jerry Springer. You get labeled as the Oprah Winfrey. You get labeled as uh, a part of the problem or a part of the system that's fucking broken. And of course, you don't profit off of any of it. Nothing good comes of it. And I especially love it when you do reach out to help people or do something good. And then because of that person's own choices or their own problems, 
you end up at the end of it all getting fucking hurt and destroyed. Yeah. It's hard to uh, encourage people because being a good guy, being a hero, means that you're eventually and inevitably going to suffer. You're going to take damage. You're going to experience the crucifixion. You're going to carry a cross. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be spit on. You're going to be whipped on. Um, you're going to be laughed at. And then in the end, you die. But the difference between you and someone like Jesus Christ is Jesus has full knowledge and understanding of what happens for him. He knows where he's going. He knows that sooner or later... He's going to end up in his own spiritual mansion where everything's great and wonderful and he will have all that he wants and he'll never have to want for anything because he's the son of God. But for us who are finite human beings who don't know any better, everything is up for grabs. It's like, are we sure? Are we sure that when we die there's going to be something waiting for us? Or is that just what mommy and daddy tells us in order to get us to sleep at night? that Santa Claus is coming and he doesn't want us awake whenever he's putting gifts under the tree. It's tough. I personally believe that there is a God and I personally believe that there was once a man named Saint Nick that lived a long time ago who was very charitable to the children. But even if you open the Bible and you read it, notice that every good man or good woman, biblically, they all died horribly. Every hero of the Bible, every person that we've ever respected in the Bible or respected throughout history, <clears throat> they all died a horrible way. It seems like evil people, <clears throat> evil people get to live long, happy, prosperous lives. What do you think about that, folks? What do you think? Does the good guy ever win? Because if this is winning... It's kind of sucks. I would hate to think what losing is. I don't know. From time to time, I have my tears. And other days, I wake up. I'm ready to take on the world one day at a time. It does feel, though, doesn't it? Like sometimes things are very unfair. Some asshole can run their mouth and get thousands and thousands of dollars. But the guy with health issues is trying the best he can to break his fucking back to take care of his family and his loved ones and help people never gets shit. Oof. Goodness gracious, what an inspirational video. God bless, folks. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keane. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon Wishlist, or 
you can buy one of my books. Afterlife Simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works. Or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. Today, we're going to talk about evolution and is it a guided process? A lot of atheists like to push this idea that it's random chance, that information somehow combined itself and then became what it is. Most of us out there that have any comprehension or understanding of science realizes that the universe is composed of information, chemistry, chemicals, energy, power, all these things. We also understand that there's a lot of things in the universe that are simply not compatible unless you have certain elements or variables that are happening in the environment. For instance, the atheist completely misses the point whenever they say things like, well, had this object or this inanimate object or this creature or animal or life form had not adapted to its environment and the variables and the changes that were happening within our world, then the creature simply wouldn't have survived. Well, isn't that exactly like a guided process, ladies and gentlemen? If I say to you that I am creating something or I'm designing something or something is to have a cause and then the conclusion and effect, you would have to have the right variables, the right information, the right elements in order to be able to create what it is. It could be something as small as making a cake. It could be something as small as being in a lab and adding chemicals into your experiment in order to get an idea of what's going to happen. How many times have you all been in a lab, whether it's at school or you've actually been in a full-blown scientific lab, where the scientists will tell you or your teacher, don't add this chemical or this chemical because then you'll destroy the experiment. Don't add this chemical or this chemical or you'll cause an explosion and set the damn classroom on fire. Because the scientist knows that certain things have to happen and certain things need to be combined and they have to be compatible with each other or you'll get dangerous or destructive results to not only the experiment, but it can also affect the outside environment that is happening. Everything about nature is a guided process. And the atheist will say, well, if it doesn't happen this way or this way or this way, if it doesn't happen with this narrow tuning going on and there's no compatibility to it, then that creature or thing just simply won't survive. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's a guided process. That's just the way you would explain a computer or some kind of biological organism. Something has to have things that are compatible with it, and the very host that is taking upon the new information has to have the right ports. It has to have the right receiving inputs or jacks or connections to it in order to receive the information that is being given to it. And the information always has to be correct. It can't be an absolute error or mistake or something that is incoherent or illogical or it causes the entire thing to fall apart. I mean, that's exactly what non-believers tell us all the time. That's what atheists say. 
The problem that the atheist seriously has whenever getting into the conversation of evolution is why is it that these organisms are compatible in the first place? Why is it that a lot of things that are alive, they have a system to them, layered upon system after system after system, that this system will reject certain things, yet it'll accept certain things into its very being? Why does that happen? Because the very system itself is actually accepting the information. Because the very thing itself that is taking upon the information is also an information bank and storage itself. All of it's guided. All of it's a set-up system. Everything from natural selection to adapting to the environment, all this. It's one of the reasons why there are some religious people out there, as well as atheists, who go on with the concept of evolution. And a lot of religious people can still hold to the idea that there's a God, a deity, or a guiding process behind it all because they can't see how it would work any other way. Charles Darwin was the same way. A lot of atheists and religious people, for whatever reason, didn't bother to read his books, Descent of Man. He clearly says, I believe in God. He clearly says, I believe that an intelligent mind actually constructed all this to work in a certain way for it to be able to function within our world and within life and the universe itself. Almost every great scientist that has ever existed, coming up from the theory of the Big Bang and how the universe got here, to physics, to quantum mechanics, everything that you can think of has been constructed and the very concept invented or the perception or ideology behind it was by a Christian scientist or one of the many people of the Abrahamic faith, such as Jews as well as Muslims, came up with this. And there's a few uh, pagans out there that actually came up with some stuff where there's just a handful of atheists who seem to be able to understand it. It is what it is. We know that if you were to take a human body and you were to introduce to it a virus or disease, well, if the virus isn't compatible and does not have some kind of information or blueprint to it to be able to comprehend its host, it won't have any kind of reaction or any kind of effect. It has to adapt to its host. It has to actually make some kind of connection or reference to what it is that it is involving itself with or trying to access just like a computer ladies and gentlemen you can't add things that are not part of a computer to a computer unless it was created or designed to be able to fit the setup in order to work with it the same with humans it's one of the reasons why it is that we don't have it to where humans can uh, commit bestiality and have sex with animals and be able to create some kind of hybrid monster out of it. It's one of the reasons why even when there's creatures that appear to look very similar to other creatures, why they are not able to have sex and be able to create things because they do not have the same compatible organs, they do not have the same compatible reproduction system, and even in itself, even when these scientists are naming off these different things, they even refer to it as a system, the reproduction system, the genetic code, genetic language, transcription. And what this means is that information can't just be information on its own. There has to be some kind of host or some kind of device or some kind of process that's going on that can read the information in order for it to 
um, continue to do what it's doing through its guided process. Everything is. Even if you were to believe that evolution is true, that there was no God, that there wasn't some kind of intelligent mind or AI or some kind of alien with uh, an expanding amount of intelligence involved in this, it's pretty obvious that the cells and the organisms and the very chemistry that is going on could be somewhat defined as life. It's as if it understands and comprehends what it needs in order to survive. Everything around us, from humanity to every life form out there, seems to have a symbiotic relationship with its environment. It has all the food that it requires, it has the water that it requires, and everything is fine-tuned in such a way where everything can survive. The only way it doesn't survive is if it isn't compatible with its environment. If it isn't able to connect with things, then it will simply die or it will disintegrate, decay, go into chaos, or the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. So when you hear people say, yeah, there's all this random stuff going on in the universe, is it really? It seems to me that from the very beginning of the universe, when the universe came into existence, everything was set at a time interval. Everything was set in a pattern. Everything was set in some form of consistency in order for things to exist. Scientists are the first ones to say that if there was anything at all that was just one step off from what it needed to be, such as gravity and so on and the laws of nature, then we would be like to the trillionth of the trillionth that could go on all day mathematical numbers resulting to our impossibility of existing. Everything's a guided process. Everything has some kind of point or reason to its existence. Everything, some ha something has intrinsic value and some kind of objective meaning to it. There's no getting around it. And the idea that there's some kind of higher power out there that exists outside of all of this that is in the process and developing things to be compatible is not an illogical or irrational concept, ladies and gentlemen. And it's one of the reasons why today that as long as atheists and agnostics put themselves in this self-absorbed box and have a chip on their shoulder and can't accept that there might be more to the universe than meets the eye, more than that they could fully comprehend, they're always going to be a joke whenever it comes to this. Basically saying, oh, yeah, information is just simply random that there's no coherency to it all. If it was incoherent and everything was in a state of chaos and there wasn't systems with order, well, ladies and gentlemen, it would equal out to nothing. There would be nothing here, nothing at all. And that is that. Well, folks, I am going to prepare for 7 p.m. Thursday if people want to have a discussion. They want to have a conversation. We can talk about everything from God to evolution to natural selection, adaptation, and so on and so on. There's so much going on, folks, that we can talk about. Peace out. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, 
Well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon wish list, or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife Simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works, or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. <clears throat> as many of you know, I am what is referred to as a mouthiest. I believe that God is capable of doing good as well as evil, that he has a dual nature. Now, there's a lot of Christians out there who state that God is incapable, that he cannot do something that is evil, that everything that he does is righteous and good, and he does it out of love, and he does it for a reason for the well-being of humanity. But the question is, when we say that humans have free will, and we say that God gave us the ability to do right and wrong, bad or good, good or evil, that was God's way of being able to give us the ability to have free will. But if God himself can't not do evil and God himself cannot do wrong or bad things, isn't that limiting God's will? Isn't that saying, well, God can't do certain things. God doesn't have the ability to be able to do evil. So in saying that, and saying that the only way that we can define free will for humans is doing good and evil, but God himself can't do it, then you are striking the ability for God to have free will off of the table. That God is controlled by his own very nature, that he's only going to do what it is that's within his nature. Now, Christians say that God can do whatever is logically and rationally possible that God is never going to do something that is illogical or incoherent or any of these things. There's a lot of things that Christians say about God that absolutely limit him and put him in a box. For instance, if I were to ask any Christian out there right now, can God have faith? Now let's think about what faith is. Faith is having hope in things believing that something is possible, believing that something can happen, even though there may not be a whole lot of evidence to come to that conclusion. There may not be a lot of empirical evidence to suggest that what we want and what we desire is going to happen down the line. Now, how is it that God himself could have faith if he already knows everything? That's another attribute they give to God. God knows every single thing, and not only does he know everything within the moment, but he also seems to know everything from beginning to end. Being that God exists outside of time, this would mean that your entire life has already been experienced by God, whether you've experienced it or not. Isn't that strange? That everything that happened in the book of Genesis and everything that happened in the book of Revelation has already happened 
with a God that is already outside of time. It means that if we were to look at the universe and space and time as it is and then throw God into the mix, most of you, if not all of you, including this world, is already dead. You've already been judged. You've already been condemned. It's just a matter of you catching up to the point of God's conclusion. In doing so, God doesn't have faith. He doesn't have the ability to dream. He doesn't have the ability to have ambition. Your entire lives have been written like a script, and you're just simply playing the role. You're nothing more than a non-playable character, an NPC in a simulation or a video game, just going along with the very steps that God set forth. It's one of the reasons why some of our narrow-minded atheist friends out there suggest that if you believe in God, and a God who knows everything, who's everywhere at all times, then you're nothing more than a puppet and he is your master. There is a Metallica album out there called Master of Puppets. It's one of my favorites, where it shows hands coming out of the sky and a bunch of gravestones, tombstones that look like crosses, where strings are coming off the hands and pointing down and grasping the tombstones themselves. Basically, you're controlled even through death. You have no choice, no free will whatsoever. I'm not what you call a preterist. I'm not a Calvinist, one of these five-star roses and tulips guy. But it seems as though the Bible doesn't give any room whatsoever for mankind to have a choice. Now, Christians will tell non-believers constantly, you have a choice whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. But that's not really true, is that ultimately God is the one who's going to choose. You'll hear a lot of these saved-by-grace Christians say it's through God's mercy and through his grace why you'll be saved, that there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. There's no amount of deeds or works that you can do. So in the end, it's all up to God what he's going to do on this matter. There are atheists as well as Christians out there, believe it or not, who are convinced that we actually live in a simulation. And what this means is that some kind of technological god actually created a computerized program or digital version of reality and that we actually live within it. That every response we have, whether it has to do with pain or whether it has to do with feeling or wants or desires, that God has created us just like it is whenever you play a video game like The Sims. I don't know how many of you have ever played it, but you are the developer or you're the player and what happens is a game developer creates a system in which you create the character an avatar of yourself or someone that you've always wished to be and then you control the character and make it do what you want to you'll make it go to the bathroom you'll make it eat you'll make it do all these things and the rules are simple you simply live life and you make the choices for the character that you're playing it's almost as if you're God and you're outside of space and time. You can literally pause the universe at any time. You can, at any time while it's paused, set up entire routing systems of where that character that you made is going to go and what it's going to do and how it's going to react to certain things. There is nothing in the game that allows you to have any real choice. There is a fascinating enough there is this 
uh, setting in the menu that gives you the illusion that you have choice, the illusion that you have free will. And it's called free will. You can actually check it in your menu. What this means is you can literally take your hands off the mouse and the keyboard or your controller pad and you can sit back and just watch your creations do whatever they want to do. But the problem is, is they're not actually doing what they want to do. They're doing what the game developed them to do. They're going to use whatever, every single piece of equipment, every piece of furniture, every door, every location in the game has kind of a positive energy to it or a script that attracts or gravitates the character towards it. It's a lot like the way the atheists view the world and the universe, determinism. Now, what determinism means is that the atheist doesn't believe that his life is guided in some way, but he does believe that his existence is stimulated, that he's nothing more than chemicals, an animated hamburger, a piece of meat without a soul that is just simply responding and stimulated by its environment. The atheist could easily bring themselves into a form of nihilism where they say, there's no such thing as love. These feelings that I have are nothing more than pre-scripted, programmed scripts that nature and my environment give me. I'm not a guided process, they claim, but aren't they? They're guided by their chemicals. They're guided by the chemistry. They're guided by the very system around them and the symbiotic relationship they have with the universe. The point is, is whether you believe in a God who knows everything and has all the O's to him, omniscience, omnipresence, all-knowing, or you're an atheist who believes that there is no external game developer, unfortunately, you still exist within the simulation. You still exist within the game, whether you give the game developer credit or not, which means that you don't have any choices either. You don't have the ability to go outside of your very nature or do anything um, that you would pertain to choice. It's one of the most fascinating things. And there are people out there, literally. There are scientists, as well as your average human beings, who've been exploring this for a long time in philosophy. And there are also people out there who, because social media has gotten so big and almost everybody on the planet has a camera now, they believe that if we do live in a simulation or we do live in some kind of developed game world, what they call a sandbox world, then we should be able to every once in a while see a glitch. Any game worth its salt, <laughs> if you've ever played a Bethesda game, has glitches, it has what is referred to as bugs, and almost every huge game that has ever existed requires patches and modifications to it because sometimes there's so much going on in a game that the developer has to fix a script in order for the game to continue. Well, the same can be said about the world we live in. If you were to go over to your search engines on YouTube or Google right now and you were to type in glitches in the matrix, glitches in the simulation, you're going to discover very quickly that people have recorded things that defy physics themselves. Like, for instance, there's a video clip out there where a man and his child are riding down the road on a bike. But as you can see in the imagery at that timestamp, people who are watching from an external place 
peering at what is happening, they can't see the bike. The bike is simply not there, and the people look like they're riding on wind, but you can see the man moving his legs and holding his hands out as though he's holding handles. Now, these people were questioned about this. Did you not see that you were, you know, floating on invisible air? To them, according to their perception, they seen a bike. Apparently, the universe gave just enough energy and just enough ability for them to be able to see that they were, in fact, riding a bike. And it was the reason why they didn't freak out or run away or something like that. They just kept on pedaling away on what appeared to be an invisible bike. There's also um, issues where people are driving or walking around in a park and they notice that a huge multitude of people may be frozen in place. It's as if the game was paused, but they themselves are still animated and continue to move. One of the other glitches that they claim that happens in the simulation of our life is when people are talking like celebrities, and then suddenly they just... It's like they shut down like a window system. They just hold in place, and people are like, Hello, are you still there? Hello. Now, some people would call that zoning out, but there's been instances where people went out of whack for three or four minutes, and a lot of skeptics out there, they question this, and they respond with, oh, the person may have had a stroke. The person might have had something happen to them or some kind of head injury whenever they were a child, and that's the reason why they just suddenly stuck in place like a mannequin or a dummy. There's a lot of weird anomalies, and you can see a lot of that on YouTube. It's one of the most fascinating things I've ever looked into. That's glitches in the Matrix. Mm. On uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central, I'm going to be doing a live show. If any of you out there ever seen something that appears to be like a glitch in the matrix or you've seen something that defies physics or something that you consider is defined as supernatural or absolutely unusual, something that you believe should not have happened, I would love to be able to hear your stories. I would love to be able to hear what it is that has happened in your life that doesn't make any kind of sense. Whether it's a painful memory or something unusual. Let me ask you guys some really neat questions about the concept of God. And I'd, I'd love to hear what you think on this. Do you believe that God can sleep? Do you believe that God has any ambition? Do you believe that God ever sat back in his totality and actually thought to himself, I would like to be something else besides God? Do you believe that it's possible that God may have created us so he could experience life in a linear way as opposed to knowing everything all the time? I've seen this really interesting movie a while back with Ryan Reynolds where his character plays God. And the idea is, is that he forces himself to lose his memory he makes it to where he takes his own ability to be able to remember things and know things away so he can experience life like humans do. Basically, he plays a god that got bored of the universe. He got tired of doing things, and he just wanted to be able to experience life along with his creations. 
Has anybody ever thought that that might be one of the reasons why God did what he did? Why we had Jesus long ago, 2,000 years ago? That God wanted to know exactly what it was like and that he actually made himself vulnerable so he could feel, so he could be able to comprehend what life forms are going through? Do you really believe that God already knows what that was like before he even did it? Think about that for a moment. Did God know what it was like to be crucified before actually being crucified? Did God know what it was like to be born before he actually was born to Mary? If you really, really go down the rabbit hole with this, I mean, really take a deep dive. There are so many philosophical weird things that will pop up in your mind. Did God need to be taken care of whenever he was a baby? Did he have all the power and the ability while he was laying in that haystack or carriage that Mary and Joseph had created for him? Did he need to breastfeed? Did he need to eat the same way we do? Did he use the restroom? And if he was using the restroom, how come the Bible doesn't acknowledge that he takes a piss or a dump even once throughout the whole thing? Of course, none of the figures in the Bible ever go to the bathroom. Although, if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, it does say that uh, people got in trouble for going outside to camp and doing that. There are a couple times in the Bible where it mentions, actually uses the word piss, and also um, people doing waste. But not with Jesus, not with the disciples, it never mentions that. Not that it's super important, but the point is, is that there's a lot of things that Christians say the Bible tells us everything we need to know or everything that uh, happened. But, I mean, even simple things like this were not a thing. You know what I find fascinating? And um, I've noticed some Christians talk about this. Do you think that Judas went to hell for committing suicide and betraying Jesus? And did he really betray Jesus, or did God force him to betray himself? Because God already knew Judas was going to do this before Judas was born, so did Judas actually have his own will, his own choice to be able to do what he wanted to? Or did God put him in place like a pawn to simply play his part and then get knocked off the table? Did Judas have any choice whatsoever? I mean, Jesus himself said, go do what you're going to do. Go do what you're going to do. Before Judas even existed, before Judas was even born, God had already had it set up that this was going to be the fall guy. This was going to be the guy who gets screwed. There's another interesting scripture where um, Jesus says, you'll renounce me three times before I think a crow crocs or whatever birds do. And, um, did Peter have free will? Could have he proved Jesus Christ wrong and not denied Jesus? Could have he made a choice that would have put him in serious danger and got him killed by the Romans when they were fleeing the disciples? Could have Paul decided, I'm not going to go ahead and do what God told me to do and just keep on killing Christians? Could have he made the choice of moving to an island or something and living out his life like that? Or was it set in place that his life was already uh, pre-generated, simulated, stimulated, whatever you want to call it? I think the answer is pretty simple, folks. 
Also, I noticed that there's some Christians out there where you say things like, um, you know, God loves us and he cares about us. But if you're sitting on the outside of a computer and you're playing a video game in characters, even though you may get invested in these little pixels and these things that you're looking at and controlling and playing with, could you ever really comprehend and understand what love is whenever it comes to those things? Or would you see them as nothing more than characters that you've invested a great deal of time in, that you've invested and given experiences to? Would you truly love them? Would you love them to the point where you would die for them? That you simply couldn't leave for a moment to just let them live their own life? I mean, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me. No more. And if he truly loves us, let me ask you this. I have people out there who they, they claim that they love me. But what if I make a choice that goes against what it is that they want from me? What if a person says they love me, but I don't give it to them back? Does that give that person the right to torture me, destroy me, annihilate my soul? No. That's not really an act of love, is it? It's not an act of love. And then on top of it, rub the salt in the wounds and then say something to the effect of, well... You made your choice. You wouldn't love me. You rejected me, and now you have to die. It's not really love, is it, folks? There's some people out there where they love their wives and their children so much that they feel like they're a burden, and sometimes they wish that the people that they love would go out and find a better life than they could ever offer them. Is that something that God wants for us? Does God want us to always have an improved existence, even when it means that he is not present? Well, of course not. That couldn't be the case. God's omnipresent. He's always there when you're taking a shower, using the restroom, or watching TV, or doing something dumb in the world. He's always there. There's not that one minute where you get all by yourself. There's not a time where you get to make choices that God already doesn't know that you're going to choose from. You don't even get to choose when you're born, when your birthday is, when you're going to die. You don't get to choose if you get to keep a job or not. People are going to choose for you. That depends on if you're working for somebody else. There's always that issue. But nothing that happens in your life is your own choice. You are a product of your environment. You're just like the atheist where you're simply predetermined. Everything about you is stimulated. And then there's that. Well, there's a lot of things on my mind we'll talk about. But I think that I've given you all a great deal of things to think about. And I'm going to leave it here and let you guys respond to this and see if you can tear it up. And we'll continue on. I've already promised over a dozen Christians out there that I would answer their questions and respond to their stuff. And I am going to still do that. There are some people out there, you've come up with some fascinating points. And I'm going to respond to you all. But I just wanted to get this out of the way. And also to be a very controversial discussion that we can have when I open my live show. So make sure you subscribe, because if you don't subscribe, then you won't get notifications letting you know when I go live. And as usual, my links will be public. You'll be able to click on them, come in. All you got to do is have a webcam and mic, and that is that. All right, God bless.
We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon wish list, or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife Simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works, or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Newly released police body camera footage shows the critical moments leading up to the death of Jalen Walker. Police say they were attempting to stop Walker for a traffic and equipment violation, which was not seen on camera. Seconds later, the officer reports a gunshot fired from Walker's car. That vehicle just had a shot come out of its door. It went from being a routine traffic stop to now a public safety issue. Video shows Walker then leading police on a chase before he eventually jumps out of the passenger side wearing a ski mask. Officers tried to deploy a taser while chasing him on foot, but are unsuccessful. Moments later, eight officers unleash dozens of rounds. Officers say they tried to render aid, but Walker, who was unarmed at the time of the shooting, died at the scene. Police say a handgun and a magazine were found in Walker's car, and that body camera images show Walker appearing to reach for his waist area right before he was killed. But he did not fire at police during the foot pursuit. A preliminary medical report says Walker had more than 60 gunshot wounds. They need to be able to articulate what specific threats they were facing, and that goes for every round that goes down the barrel of their gun. It was absolutely excessive. The law requires to use force that is reasonable. Protests continued late Sunday where demonstrators say police used tear gas to disperse the crowd. Akron police have not confirmed those reports. Walker's family is calling for calm. All right. Let's take a look. Let's go back here and then we'll respond to all the stuff. Mm, let's get it to about yeah there we go all right so we've got a, a a young man basically who decided to go fast on the road the cops tried to pull him over for a routine stop he decides to fire a shot off at them and it's clear inside of his vehicle he's got the gun they've actually got it recorded of him taking a shot at them which is dangerous, and then decides to do a high-speed chase, which is very dangerous for the community and citizens about. 
He then uh, decides to jump out of the vehicle. He's wearing a ski mask. They attempt to tase him, but taser guns only have a certain limitation to how far they reach. And he runs off. They're still under the impression that this is a guy who is armed and dangerous because he already fired a shot at him whenever they were trying to pull him over for the routine stop. So, at some point in time, he reaches for his waist. Let's not forget the environment we're looking at here. It's clear that all this happened at nighttime. Very difficult to be able to see. If you go reaching for a, a cell phone that happens to be black, um, at nighttime, when cops are in pursuit of you, they're most likely going to shoot your ass. So, my advice and my suggestion out there, don't be like Mr. Jalen Walker. When the cops try to pull you over, if you haven't done anything wrong, if you haven't committed a crime or you plan on going and committing a crime, being that this guy had bullets out the ass and guns in his vehicle, then you just simply pull over, you give out your license, you give out your insurance, and um, believe it or not, within five, ten minutes, you could be on your way. Everything's fine. And whatever you do, don't answer the police with a fucking ski mask with guns sitting there. Probably a bad idea, I would say, yeah. Seemed like this person was just decided they wanted to do everything fucking wrong, and then they ended up with 60 bullets in them. Was it excessive? Of course it was. Cops were just shooting, shooting, shooting. You'd be surprised how quickly a person's body can fill up with that many bullets. I'm surprised there isn't more, especially when cops are panicking or having anxiety or freaking out with whatever scenario is happening before them. Ladies and gentlemen, cops make mistakes. They do. And sometimes cops use excessive force. 60 bullets is a lot of bullets for sure. But ladies and gentlemen, from the very start of this, Mr. Jalen Walker... He made every bad decision possible. This, There was no way this was going to end well. As far as people going out in the street and protesting and screaming about how mean the cops are, well, what else are you going to do? They tried tasing them. I guess they could have attempted to use uh, rubber bullets or something like that. But even rubber bullets can be very dangerous under some circumstances, and especially in the dark. You get hit in the temple or in the eye with one of them fucking things, you'd probably prefer getting shot and killed with 60 bullets than getting hit in a really vulnerable spot by a rubber bullet. Those things are not sweet and feeling. So there's that. I guess people can cry and whine all day and try to make it out to look like the cops are evil and horrible, but, I mean, my goodness, what would you do if some person was flying through your neighborhood with a ski mask and guns and then reaching uh, around, you know, their waist? You don't know what's going to happen. They did what they had to do, folks. That's how I see it. It's too bad that somebody had to get killed in the process, but this is the way life is, folks. This isn't the movies. You know, these people don't know ninjutsu or something like that. All right, folks. Let me know what you think.
We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.